1: Hello, welcome back to Wasp business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company. I'm David Koch. It has just gone 12 midday Australian Eastern Standard Time. That means it is time for the call for the next 60 minutes. We analyze 10 stocks uh, suggested by you. We put it to two of our experts. And today we have Hi. Mark Morland <clears throat> from Team Invest. Mark, good to see you. Good to see you, Koshy, And Scott Phillips from Motley Falls. Scott, um, uh, he's... He's, if you like, the call's resident handyman. <coughs> he has uh, produced chook runs, the whole lot in the past. Scott, any, any other icons that you've built?
2: Gosh, you're not so far, I'm i work on the pyramids next. Maybe a sphinx, we'll see how we go. But uh, <laughs> so far, my, 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 my skills topped out at the, the chicken coop just quietly. Might be it.
1: <laughs> okay, all right, good to see. It's great to have you aboard and uh, always look forward to uh, the call with you too. Um, We look at 10 stocks you've suggested, but we also throw in one stock of the day, which uh, has everyone talking. Today, I thought we'd take a look at Altium after the uh, software company was forced to shut down its Beijing operations and downgrade its revenue outlook for the fourth time in a year. This led to the share price dropping uh, just under 8% yesterday. Despite the closure, the company says subscriber numbers will be close to or achieve the 50000 target it's set for this financial year. Um, it's a bit of a favourite here of the call, which uh, we talk about it a lot. So um, is it time to forget Altium, or is it the pullback to take advantage of? Scott Phillips, what do you reckon of Altium and the news?
2: Yeah, look, first thing I want to say, actually, is I want to give Altium a little bit of credit. They put the downgrade in the headline of the press release, which, frankly... Plenty of companies don't. They say trading update and you've got to read to line 45 on page two to work out that maybe something's going wrong with the business. So I've got it for absolutely copying that up front. I really think this is an opportunity for investors. If you've been sitting on uh, the potential of Altium for a little while to actually jump in and buy some shares, I have to say. I think, you know, the, the short-term closure of Beijing, not unexpected. I'm always a little bit surprised when the markets respond with shares down 7% or whatever it was on, on the back of some news we could have either known or expected if you're a long-term shareholder to sell out on that news frankly seems a little bit strange to me as you say subscriber number still pretty good so overall it's not cheap i've got to say it does have to do a lot of things right to be successful and that's part of what saw it sell off yesterday but overall yeah the track record is very good the momentum of the business sorry about the stock the Track record of the business is very very good um, i like the company i think it shows every sign of continuing to be successful i think if you owned it already um and we died on it personally but the motley Fool does own some shares there's no reason to do anything other than hang on for the ride. And I believe they'll, you know, anything can happen. Very, very good chance they get back on track and continue the same sort of track record momentum as they've had so far.
1: Okay. All right. So uh, uh, stick with it, according to Scott. Mark, um, on the call, we've talked about it a lot over the last couple of months, and that's sort of technology one, Altium, Appen, mm-hmm. sort of as the, the trio of good young tech stocks. Yeah. to be involved. Yeah, there. that's
3: fair. Yeah. <clears throat> with with uh, Technology One probably at the front of that group. Yes, absolutely. But, <clears throat> but having said that, uh is growing faster, you know, significantly yeah. faster than Technology One. So they've got a, a 33% EPS growth rate, which they've yeah. averaged over the last uh, six years, which is really good. So yeah. uh, as Scott said, the P PE, it, it, you could argue it's expensive. It's on a PE of 60. Yeah. But <clears throat> having said that, it's um, with a 30% EPS growth, we're showing it returning if they can maintain that growth rate. Over right. the next five years, and I think there's a good chance they can. Yeah, you know, they're global market leaders in, uh, or a market leader in providing the um, like a CAD system for uh, designing circuit boards. Right. Yeah, and they've got Boeing and you know all sorts of blue chip clients globally, and they're growing in Asia and stuff as well. So it really is a quality uh, company. We've met the management. We had a, a big session with the chair in December, right. um, and uh, they, he went through their strategy and what they're planning on doing, and it is very exciting. Uh, It's always going to be a bit expensive, particularly in this environment, because everyone's after quality growth stocks. I think the China issue is insignificant. So I would say it is a buying opportunity. Right uh, now, I'd like to pay a bit less personally, but I probably won't be able to. Right, I okay. mean, if I want to buy any more, yeah. So because that's a pretty good return, even on a margin of safety, which drops the earnings down to seventeen uh, percent per year, and a terminal P of thirty six still gives you nearly ten percent return. Right, which okay. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and if these days in interest rates of sort of one and a half, percent ten to twenty percent. You know, is uh, a good, is, range. Is good. and it's that's
1: good. with your margin of safety yep. involved, yep. okay? Yep. Which is always pretty. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a yes. Okay, all right. So uh, two ticks for Altium on the pullback. Interesting. I always look out for the stocks that <laughs> that are regulars here on the call, and any change to uh, to see whether it's. Uh, whether it changes the views of our experts here. So um, that's good reinforcement from uh, both Mark and Scott. All right, let's start getting onto the, uh, the 10 stocks that you've suggested we look at today. The first one comes from Claire. Um, now, how do you call it? The IVE Group or IVE Group. Um, basically a marketing distribution company. Um, they design print mobile and interactive media. They do everything from plenty of catalogues to magazines, through to uh, the digital side of things. Um, Scott,
2: what do you think of uh, this stock? It's a fascinating one, Kosh. It's not one I've looked at a little while. It, the first thing that grabbed me was the P is about seven times, right? <laughs> Anytime you are seeing something less than less than 10 P, either it's a value or a value trap. And so step two becomes, which one is it? Um, I gotta say, if you're an investor who ha- has some sort of deep value or dirty value bent, this one gets pretty interesting pretty quickly. now. You've already mentioned the sort of business that it is. Right now is not the time when you're going to have a lot of demand for these sort of services. If there's any pullback at all in discretionary marketing spending, Ivy is absolutely going to cop it in the neck and it has share price wise. But you only look back, as you can see from that chart, six months or so to see what the market was thinking of it during decent, we might call it boom times, but at least decent economic times, hardly, you know, huge hyper growth in the economy six months earlier. So. If it can deliver, or frankly, stay in business, and then deliver the sorts of gains, the sorts of profitability it's delivered in the past, this may well be one that's a little bit interesting to have a look at. So I'm going to have a, a deeper dive, a deeper think about it. For now, I mean, look, you've, you've got to be a, something of a, a Nostradamus looking into the short and medium term future mm-hmm. and saying, what does the economy look like? What a demand for this company's services look like? It wouldn't be the first marketing services company to go broke during a recession, quite honestly. So... Um, let's be clear about that. There's no guarantee that this company is even around, let alone profitable. I expect it to be both by the way, but I'm just being clear that in these sort of circumstances with these sort of businesses, when their entire business is entirely discretionary, um, that's, a, that's a tough kind of industry to be in. But if you've got a bit of fortitude, you can stomach some volatility and you want <clears> to take a little bit of calculated risk at seven times earnings are hard to go past. this one. I think if it gets anywhere close to the level of profitability it's delivered in the past.
1: Okay, all right. So. Uh... So probably not at the moment, but has a reasonable track record.
2: I think it's one to keep an eye on. I think particularly if you're, yep. as it is so if you're someone who might take a little bit of risk, but you're a, kind of a value of a value bent, uh, this is one yep. you probably want to have a very close look at. I, I'm not okay. really a buy just yet, but I probably look speculative. Buy probably pretty close to just right. on the on the basic, you know, kind of law of averages. If you buy enough decent companies that are profitable at seven times earnings, uh, you've got a pretty good chance of being successful. So mm. this is one I'd put in the speculative buyer category for now.
1: Okay. What do you reckon, Mark? Uh,
3: well, it would definitely be speculative. Yep. <laughs> uh, as, as far as their results so far, they've only been listed for a uh, full four years. Yeah. And their, their EPS growth rate over that period has been flat. So they haven't grown at all. So you've listed yeah. and then you're not growing. Right. Uh, sales are growing at about 6% and uh, earnings are totally flat, yeah. which is not good. Yeah. Uh, they, they mitigate, the only mitigating thing for it is the uh, very low P.E. Right. You know, so because the P is so low, you could actually get a decent return if they can continue not growing. Right. So if they yeah. don't grow uh, and they can continue it, then you get quite. You can get uh, you know 16 percent return oh. on it because it's so cheap. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Having said that, it's also got high debt. Eighty-four uh, percent debt to equity, which is and it's only one hundred and thirty million uh, market cap. Right. So it's quite small. Yeah. So I'm not sure how liquid it is. I I, I don't know. I imagine not very. But yep. um, look, it's not it's not something Team Invest would be interested in. Right. Okay.
1: All right. Um, what about BSA? Um, this is a, a suggestion from Charlie Communications. Uh, says it's communications and technical services company, infrastructure projects, uh, building services. Um, puts in broadcasts and, and telecommunications industry. Uh, Mark,
3: what do you reckon about uh, BSA? This is another another uh, pretty small company. Yeah, 100. 117 mil. It's got it. It's got a 10 year history. Uh, we've never looked at it. Um, just looking at the earnings now, they're um, it's all over the place. But basically, the, what they started with 10 years ago, it's only a little bit above that. Right now, in the meantime, it's gone down, up, down, up, down. So very, very inconsistent. Uh, we like a lot more, a lot better stability than that. And also, their sales are in a downtrend. So right. sales are dropping at an average of seven percent a year, which means you know, even though their earnings are flat. Uh, sales are going down. Yeah, that's not a good combination because eventually it'll drag earnings down as well. Um, it's got uh, very high return on equity and not much debt. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it, it part, if you look at it on um, on our, what our default measures are, which is saying over five years, what will I get if they continue where they're at? They're also very low PE. Right. I'm showing them at six point four.
0: Right. So yeah.
3: because of that, it's showing about twelve percent return. But we we like businesses that have earnings uh, earnings growth. Right. As a start line. But look, yep. <clears throat> when you can buy companies that aren't growing, but aren't going to go broke, and I don't know, yeah. then you can get a decent return as long as you pay a low, low enough PE, you know, sub 10. yeah, yep. And this is one of those. Right. But it's very okay. small. All right. Scott, do you follow BHA?
2: Look, I have on and off, I, I kind of have a general preference against services companies in general, whether they be construction services, IT services, and, and frankly, in this case, telecommunications services. On the flip side, depending on how the 5g rollout and the associated it rollouts go there could be plenty of business for companies like this these guys sprung up because the big boys stopped doing it themselves and so like some service stream bsa plenty of others they exist to fill that niche right so to provide that service now if it was worth doing the big guys do it themselves so the first the first sign is always you know to some degree if the if, if the other guys don't want to do it it's a bit like apple and foxconn right making its phones Apple doesn't want to do it. It's happy for someone else to put all the time, effort, energy into it, and they'll just clip the ticket on the way through. So to some degree, I feel like that's kind of the same with BSA. Uh,
1: In the meantime, let's go on to our our third stock and um, Mark Foslock Environmental Technologies. Now, it's in the water remediation business. Um, Big in China had an earnings downgrade, I think, just a couple of weeks ago because they've got issues with uh, some of their China customers up there. But... Hmm. Um, was regarded as a pretty reasonable stock for a while
3: it's it, well. It's obviously it's in an a, an area that's very in the, in the green side of things. Yeah, they, yeah. It's, yeah. What they, what it's they, a good what environmental they, story. They lock is up like? phosphorus, uh, which comes out of uh, uh, runoff from farms and so on, and, yeah. and fertilizers. Yeah. Um, it, that's where the Fos lock is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and turned into a, like an inert uh, mineral that then just, just sits on the bottom of the uh, Lake Dam River or whatever. Right. So uh, they've got they've been going for quite a while. I've got ten years history, and they've lost money every single year except for 2019 when they made zero. 0.005 cents per share. Right. Oh, so okay. so they made, made a profit after 10 years of losing money. So I can't value it based on that. It's actually yeah. on a 68p based on that first time they've ever made a profit. Oh, okay. um, so, you know, it's uh, no debt. Doesn't um, return on equity on last year's result is nine? So yeah. it's still below our 10 as well. But you, yeah. didn't, you would really need to... Um, there was a, bit, a big spike
1: because yeah. of those China deals, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. In early 2019, and
3: became a bit of a market darling. Yeah. Um, but, you know, well, uh, you know tension, th- tensions with China might be... <laughs> <coughs> well, there, there, there's that. But also, I, I don't know how much it costs to actually do this stuff. It depends on the, the will of the, you know, governments or the regulatory bodies or what they make people do. Right. Uh, yeah. There's obviously a big market opportunity. Yep. Uh, for, it's a question of, you know, cost benefits and so on. But it's in the right, it's in a, a prospective area. Yep. You can put yep. it that way. Sure. So, I mean, if you're interested in investing in that area, it's obviously going to attract money from the um, from the, cons- the funds that are uh, focusing on these sorts of things. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, they may- maybe they can make it work. But at the moment, it's not a business, really, you know. That's, yeah, yeah, and not
1: one that you'd well, be. What's got following. to make money? Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. All right, um, Scott. Uh, let's finish up. I think we've got you back. Let's finish up with BSA first. So a yes from you on that, or a no? Uh,
2: let me go. No, on the basis of the industry, uh, but keeping an eye on it. If the results get better before the price goes up, maybe well actually trillion <coughs> chance to buy. Okay. A chip stock. All
1: right. Um, and Foslock, environmental technologies, um, has uh, come down from those highs in 2019 and just bubbling along the bottom at the moment, as uh, as Mark and I were saying. Interesting environmental story, but haven't quite uh, been able to make money out of it.
2: Yeah, spot on. And you know, we talk about story stocks, this is the ultimate story stock. This is more, more story than stock, quite honestly. Uh, potentially a great idea. Like most of these you know, would be companies, we hope they're successful because there is a real need to solve the problem that they are addressing. The reality though, is that Maiden Profit, as Mark's mentioned, a P of 70 times earnings, um, you know, could could be, could be anything. It could be, could be a tenth of the price or 10 times the price in five years' time. It's impossible to know, this is pure speculation. Um, not my game either, not is Mark's, as, as he's already said. Uh, you know, again, ho- hopefully for everyone's sake, it, it finds an environmental solution we can all uh, benefit from. But man, you know, it's like trying to buy every potentially biotech hopeful because they might be curing cancer. We hope they do. The odds are very much against it actually happening. And so it's one I'm going to happily leave alone.
1: Okay, All right. And um, it hasn't really recovered from any of those March lows like most stocks have done. So a bit out of favour with investors at the moment. Um, Our fourth stock uh, is suggested by Meg and it is the Magellan Global Equities Fund. Um, And... um, invest around the world. Um, what do you reckon, Mark? Magellan uh, has, yeah, the, has the name. Yeah, now, a, this is not the fund manager. No, is No, no, that's this uh, is one of their funds. This is the
3: this is a listed yes. uh, fund investment, effectively, fund. which yep. I think they're going to do a lot more of them. Magellan. Yep. It's a good idea because it locks the money in uh, forever, basically. Because you once you once you invest in it, you're getting shares. Yeah. So they yep. can keep managing it forever. It's a very good plan. Yeah. Yep. For Magellan. <laughs> Having said that, uh, this is really US. Centric, so it's it's uh, technology stocks mainly. Yep. So it's Alibaba, Alphabet, um, Crown Castle, I'm not sure what that is, Facebook, Microsoft. And then there's a few European companies, uh, Pharmaceuticals, Novartis, uh, uh, Record and Bexilla, St- Starbucks, Tencent and Brun. Visa. Ah, okay. That's the holding. So right. it's very, very much tech and a bit of, bit of um, a bit of um, pharmaceutical and so on is in there as well. It's averaged uh, so far 11.8% per mm. year compound since it uh, listed. Right. So it's been good. You know, if, yep. you, if you want to buy a fund, um, you know, we're it's you know, we're showing it returning about thirteen percent on the current current price. The P is actually quite low as well, so it's you know, it's it's absolutely a reasonable thing to buy. Right. Personally, so I'd yep. say yes. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather ha- buy Magellan, right? <coughs> the uh, holding company. Right. Uh, Why? B- because they get they, that leverage is off, so that gets fees from this. I think yep. they get one point uh, three. I think. Uh, and from all their other funds under management and performance fees. Right. So what their returns have been has been well over 20 to 30% compound return. Okay. Uh, so right. it's a leveraged position because of the way they are. Now they've come off a fair bit as well, yeah. um, and they're still with back to about 60 I think now. I'd have to have a look. Right. Um, but personally, I'm a, I'm a shareholder in that. I wouldn't right. buy the fund, okay. but there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to have a managed fund, that's a good one. All right, okay.
1: Scott, what do you think of the, uh, <coughs> the Magellan Global Equities?
2: Yeah, Mark's on my my complete thunder, Yeah, I have to say it's one that the track record speaks for itself. Ordinarily, if you're buying a fund, you want to be buying the underlying assets, not the fund structure itself. Um, It's trading about net asset value as it should. So, you know, no, no discount for buying that. The difference is, of course, you can't get those ASX. And so it's one easy, nice and frankly successful thus far way to get access to some of the better companies in the tech space, as Mark's already mentioned. I would absolutely, again prefer to keep my fees low and still get access to most of those by buying a NASDAQ 100 ETF, for example. Um, I think there's, it's a great way to play it. Magellan fine, completely fine. If you own it, if you bought it, if you're happy with it, knock yourself out. Magellan done a great job managing these funds and delivering really good results for shareholders. So nothing at all to complain about. Happily own the own the fund, um, but the, 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 the profits are accruing to somebody else. They're taking their slice and they're entitled to. But if you can invest in something like a, a, a very low cost NASDAQ ETF or tech ETF, I'd much rather do that and maximise the upside than share some of the spoils with a fund manager personally.
1: Our fit stock, uh, Mark, come as being suggested uh, by David Macquarie Group.
2: Yeah, well, Macquarie Bank,
3: yeah, yeah Macquarie Group. Um, it's uh, it's been a very good investment for a long time. I bought it in just after the GFC. $24 something when oh. the government guaranteed it, and I right. sold it at about 55 so it was a bit early. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I haven't had it since. <laughs> um, see, we don't really like the banks, although Macquarie's different. You know, yep. you, you can't really lump it in with the other uh, banks in Australia. The the complication for us is we want to understand the business and how they really make money. And Macquarie is really a, you know, I think you've got to back the management and say, well, they're good at making money, they've got a good history, um, and you're going to back what they do. And yep. even going through these times we're going to go through with coronavirus, will present opportunities for them, yep. you know, because there's going to be all sorts of stuff that'll happen and they're good at playing those sorts of things. Yep. So this environment may be better for them than it will be for the other banks, but I, I can't swear to that. Um, it's currently on a PS 16, which is about high middle for their range. And it's it's EPS growth's about 7.5%. So uh, if you buy it today at $120 or whatever it is, uh, we're showing it about 10% return. Right, okay. Now 10, uh, 10% return is not bad, yeah, but it's not fabulous either. Yeah, and okay. if, and if I go margin of safety, it's about two percent. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's a quality business. It's not one that we've ended, tended to be enthusiastic about, mainly because of the complexity of it. But they, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's they've done well. Okay. So if you're a, a, a retail
1: investor and you want some banks, well, I'd have uh, that one over the others. Right. I was going to say, <laughs> if if you had the big five, which Macquarie comes in as a fifth, yeah, would that be
2: your choice? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Definitely, definitely. Okay. All right, Scott. Yeah, I find Macquarie an incredibly difficult business to evaluate because of the way it cleverly and and, and very successfully goes from business to business to wherever it can make the most money. And so you you look at Woolies and you say, okay, five years time, Woolies will be selling groceries, maybe a few more, maybe a few less, maybe W is doing well, maybe it's doing badly, but broadly speaking, you know what it's gonna be doing. Macquarie's had a track record over 15 plus years of basically finding the wind and and filling its sail. And that's a great strategy. It makes it incredibly difficult for people like us to really have a look at that business and say, in five years, it will do X. It's just impossible to know what businesses will be and how big those businesses will be. So you're kind of in one of those situations. You either leave it in the too hard basket and you say, I don't know, or you back the people that are running that business to do really well. I've In later years, I've been in the former camp for years. In later years, I've gone the reverse, which is to say, look, it seems reasonable value based on book value, not, not super cheap, as Mark's mentioned. Um, and those people will be trying their absolute best. To make as much money as they can for the company. Whatever that remains the case and they have good, smart people there incentivized to do the best, I actually think they're probably worth it, an investment for a diverse portfolio. If you're looking for a blue earth chip kind of investment, completely agree with Mark. I'd absolutely much, much rather own Macquarie than any of the other big four. Macquarie um, is a very, very different bank. It's, I mean, it's, it's a bank which kind of yeah, you know, as the big four, is you say, Koshy, but. It's an entirely different banking operation. It's closer to yeah. JP Morgan than, so, oh, than Westpac. Um, so in that case, you know, it's sort of an investment
1: bank, isn't it, is more than anything? Yeah. Not, yeah, not exactly. a retail exactly. bank.
2: So yeah. great, great business, you know, really high quality business, great people trying to make as much money as they can for themselves and their shareholders. That, to my mind, gives it a, a role, particularly in a blue chip portfolio, rather than the other ones, quite honestly. A bit more volatile, probably dividend less assured. And certainly maybe the dividend itself might be more volatile over time. But far, far more likely, I think, to do well over the long term compared to the other big four banks.
1: Yeah. And it's a um, it's an investment bank that that, as both Mark and Scott were saying, know how to make money for themselves. It was called the millionaire factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The executives are are highly motivated, highly incentivized uh, to make money. They're a bit ruthless internally. If you don't make money, you're out. Um, but um, they certainly do know how to make it for themselves and and the shareholders as
3: well. So, but a bit too expensive for Mark and. Or ten percent return. I just yeah. said if you are happy with ten percent, right. Then, and and then I think requires
2: a buy. Right. Okay. That's too right. expensive, for me personally.
1: Okay. <laughs> Is it too expensive for you, Scott?
2: No, no. I think I'd buy it. I mean, again, to Mark's point, if you're looking for the very, very best options within. The ASX, it may not make your list of the top five with kind of fifteen stocks on pure return, uh, but I'd happily, I think it's going to be a market beater over the over the medium yeah. and long term. I'd happily bottom for it. Yeah. No.
1: okay. Well, that's our fifth stock halfway through our top ten uh, for this afternoon. Let's have a bit of a, a recap. Um, stock of the day was Altium, and uh, gets a nod from both Mark and Scott. Good company. Maybe this pullback is an opportunity to get involved. Uh, IVE Group, um, no from Mark. Uh, speculative uh, buy from Scott. Um, um, once the um, the advertising and marketing sort of budget start to improve after the recession, BSA and no, Fosvok are no. Uh, are no uh, Magellan, um, according to Mark, yes, if you want a good listed investment company focusing on tech and overseas. Um, for Scott, it's better to go into an ETF and uh, Mark would much prefer to buy Magellan the fund manager rather than one of its listed stocks because that's where you'll make the money. Um, and a tick for Macquarie is a, a bank. If you want a bank that knows how to make money, well then Macquarie is the one, uh, the option for you. Uh, let's move on to our, our sixth stock uh, suggested by you, this time from Stephanie. And um, Mark Senex uh, owns um, oil assets in the Cooper Basin. Um, and a big explorer through South Australia and Queensland.
3: Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd have to buy the story. Um, right. They've always had one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have owned this a, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I was just looking at their earnings. They, the last five years, they've run at a loss. And F9, F19, they came out with 0.1%. Per share profit, so they don't make any money, right? Um, And the sales uh, of their production, producing assets, are declining at nineteen percent a year at the moment. Okay. So really, when I say the story, you'd have to assume that they're going to uh, develop. New fields or whatever—it's—it's right. it's that side of it, rather than it's actually about making money, right? Okay. So I, we don't do that. So yeah. it, that makes it straight speculative, yeah. Uh, yeah. from my point of view. And it's—and obviously they're in a stage now where the commodity prices are challenged, even more of a challenge than normal. But they're totally dependent yeah. on that as well, right? Okay. So uh, no, I would—it's I, not for us, not for Team Invest.
1: And—and and in that oil producing category, yeah. yeah, you have your your big blue chips and your middle. Run that are starting to rise, and you're really speculative. Yeah, and this, well, this would is, be this is speculative about this end. is
3: a 380 mil market cap, right? Okay, it's uh, yeah. not that small, it's been around right. for a long time, yeah. Uh, and maybe they'll uh hit it uh, well. I mean, there's one company that I know of that isn't a team invest company, that's Strike Energy, right? Which uh, I've got friends who are involved in it, and they, they keep selling me on how fabulous it is, right? <laughs> as far as what they're doing, but
1: yeah,
2: that's all I can say on that, okay. All
1: right, Scott, what do you reckon of uh, CENEX Energy?
2: Oh, I don't want to keep being negative because this one's a no for me as well. If you're in the energy space, you want to be a low cost producer, you want to be reliable cash flows, you want to have some reason for your business to keep doing well even when others aren't. Um, I think a real challenge for us as investors is trying to work out you know, what are the probabilities of success? If you can't control the oil price and you're desperately trying to find a way to, um, to make some money and find some more, maybe that happens, maybe you get lucky. There is no basic fundamental investment thesis for cenex that just it goes much past well maybe they'll find and it maybe it'll be good um that's that's fine as far as it goes but you're kind of in lotto territory at some point there um now cenex as as mark said been around for a long time a lot of people do like it, it's had some success but again if, unless you're writing an oil price speculation or unless you hope feel no you know whatever that it's going to find some some oil eventually or, or more oil eventually uh, very very tough one to try and invest in so Pure speculation. Uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, again, if you want to, if you want to you throw your money at a dartboard, or you want to, you you want to play the odds and knock yourself out. But no, fr- from a fundamental investing perspective, there's there's no basis for investing in Senex at the moment.
1: Okay. All right. So uh, a no from uh, both Mark and Scott on Senex. Um, this next one suggestion, Mark, from Amelia Simic.
3: Sounds C- yes, C- like
1: Senex, but Simic, big multinational contractor. You probably see their awnings around some big infrastructure projects that that are out there being built around the country at the moment
3: operations in australia southeast asia new zealand middle east it's big yeah it's the old Leighton holdings right yeah Yeah. so and and ugl you know it's a conglomerate of large groups but this is a complex global business it's about eight billion dollar market cap uh these aren't easy businesses to run no and (laughs) uh I, i read up a little bit about it and they're they the, they had quite a strong profit in F19, which I it jumped up significantly. But then the release to the market, uh, they've done a big write down because they're shutting their BICC, which is the uh, Chinese or uh, sorry, Middle Eastern. Um, uh, company, right. which they—it seems you know—I have to read between the lines. It seems like they've pulled out of the deal and walked away from it. Right. But they still have, so they've taken a loss of a billion dollars, and they reckon they're going to have another seven hundred million of losses that they have to contribute through guarantees. Wow. So it sounds like they're walking away from it, but they—it's like a one point seven billion. Right. Uh, negative, but that's stung. pretty. That's pretty big. Yeah, um, and they sort of talk about how it's going to be great because it'll allow them to focus on the rest of the good parts of the business. <laughs> and so. so it's not. They've got three billion in cash uh, or and facilities in the business, okay. so they're not going to go broke right. uh, or anything like that. Uh, but we, we, is it value at the moment? Uh, hard to know. I mean, I, I don't. You need, I need to know a lot more. This is. This would go way into the too hard basket for us, right? Okay, yeah. and um, these sorts of
1: companies get involved in massive projects, don't yeah. they, yeah. around the world? And if they come off, terrific. Yeah. But if they don't, and it goes pear-shaped, they're big write-downs, aren't they?
3: Absolutely. And on their their uh, presentation, if anyone's interested in it, and have a look at it, and it actually shows what the revenue is by these big pro- all the major projects, yeah. even in Australia, you know, there a lot of them are toll roads yep. and bridges and things big like that. Yeah, yeah. And they're over five, or six years. And, and then the contributions and how, how it works. Right. But as you said, if you get it wrong, <laughs> it's, it's bad. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You get the costings wrong
1: or the supply chain doesn't work. It really mucks you about. Um, Scott, what do you think of CIMIC?
2: Yeah, Simic yeah. share price is about the same level it was about halfway through 2011. So that, that tells you something. Either, either it's really cheap now or the business has gone nowhere in, in nine, nine odd years. I think it's probably the latter. Uh, Simic, so as, a, as a company, look, here's the thing. If you, if you want to try and, if you believe the government are going to throw a squillion dollars in infrastructure to get us out of this, then maybe there's a speculative opportunity to play Simic, right? If you, if you do it just, hey, let's let this thing slide, let, let it run and see what happens, again, you kind of speculate unless you have a strong macro view. And I think it's not an unreasonable view that infrastructure spending will increase. But you are, again, trying to play the odds. For a business that can't deliver, you know, share price gains over a nine year period, it's everything you need to know. In fact, to your point about government contracts, not only is that true, but it's getting worse for the construction companies, because governments on behalf of taxpayers are getting a whole lot wiser. So we're in a situation now where they know that open book costing, cost plus costing is what they want. There's enough players out there to play against each other. The people who are going to win that game, win the contracts, the ones with the lowest prices. and if you. That, that's not a great way to make money as a as a, as a, um, as a construction company right yeah. if you're if the only way you're in business is to, to make less money than your competitors um, that's a tough tough business to be because they aren't contract by contract businesses and again yeah. if you're in the contractors it's not important to give up two years where the contracts do nothing because you've got no work on and no, no one to employ so you've got to do some deals you've got to sharpen the pencil enough or too much to at least keep the wheels turning it's just a really structurally difficult industry to make money and again the share price shows that so Uh, you know there there are probably times when you can try and play some sort of short-term medium-term speculation about cycle industry cycles or government spending cycles and maybe that works um but i have to say for now i I think it's one you leave well and truly alone i said unless you have a really strong macro view um i I think there's much better value everywhere else
1: yeah 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 and uh Uh, As Mark often says, some businesses are just too hard to follow and there are a lot easier ways to make money than than companies like this. All right, let's go to something completely different now uh, from a a massive multinational contractor to a a retail operation, a jewellery operation. uh, LaVisa um, and um, they're in department stores and have their own stores. Um, around Australia as well in that uh, in that custom jewelry area, uh, Mark. Uh, management of LaVisa always gets a good rap. Uh, well, uh, Brett, I think Brett. I think Brett Blundy uh, started, started or bought in here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So he's a he's a self-made billionaire through retail. Through retail. Remember, yeah, he's so in AGS one yep. as well as a major shareholder. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we, we like Brett Blundy. Right. And uh, he, he knows how to run retail. Um, it's it's actually the growth rate's been twenty eight percent a year, and it's got really really high return on equity, sixty nine percent, which is really high. It's been high ever since they started, which tells you is they manage they run this business on very little capital, yep. and they turn I think it's turnover rate. They, they probably turn over the stock. Before they have to pay it, right. <laughs> I would guess. Right, um, and it also mean, it just means that it's been and it's consistently profitable, about fifteen percent profit margin, which is which is really good. Wow. Uh, it's on a nineteen p at the moment. Um, it actually uh, dropped down to two dollars thirty from a high of fourteen in the coronavirus yep. scare, so it was a screaming bargain. Then I actually was too slow, right? Because uh, I would like to buy this. It does pass all our uh, all our filters. Okay. It's currently about six dollars eighty, and it's returning if they can maintain that growth rate. Uh, which is you know fairly heavy, 28% yep. EPS growth, then over five years, you're going to get about a 30% return. Wow. With the current price. So okay. if they can maintain their EPS growth rate, uh, it's a bargain. And also you've got to consider that we're going to go through our uh, trough yep. uh, with the coronavirus, yep. you know, yep. with the effect of that. So the, Lockdowns yep. coming yep. So in there's going So and... there's going to be a hit on their sales or in the profits over the next uh, quarter or two, without a doubt. Yep. Um, this is the business that should bounce back really fast. As, and it'll bounce back with foot traffic. Right. So we're already getting foot traffic back in our malls and stuff here yeah, and so on. Yeah. So I'm sure they'd be selling uh, plenty again. So but how, how long is it? Say? Is I think it a, a yeah, it's, it's probably it's probably a good value. It's showing over 10 yeah. on a margin of safety, and that's historically for us has always been a you know a very safe uh, yeah. a bet. It's always been a pretty high PE, by the way. It's right at the edge of the bottom quartile of its PE range. Right. So its PEs have been 40. Uh, thirty six, thirty seven a year. Right. You know the okay. highs. Yeah. So relative to its highs, it's it's quite good value as well. Okay. So I'd say yes. Um, all right. How much of an impact does an individual uh, have
1: on a business? You were saying Brett Blund is involved. Is regarded as being sort
3: of having a great track record in retail.
1: Yeah. How much does that play into your filters?
3: It plays a big part in our filters, and right. the, and the reason is quality. Uh, a quality CEO uh, or uh, controller, if you like, whether he's chairman, CEO or yep. whatever, with major, major skin in the, in the game um, is proven to be far more uh, successful for shareholders. Because you know, you're aligned yep. you know, rather than a hired gun who is yep. going to be motivated by whatever the REM design is, which yep. may or may not work in the interest of shareholders yep. and often doesn't. And they're also there not, for the long, they're not there for the long term. So they're not going to make decisions necessarily that are really in the interest of the business in the long term. Right. Whereas okay. what Blundy's doing is he's building a global business with this, clearly. Right, yeah. And so far, the most most of the business is in Australia and New Zealand. So it's got heaps of room to grow. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he has the model and he's just banging them out. Right, okay. And I go, well therefore, can they maintain the growth? Absolutely. All right, Scott, what's your view on
2: the visa? I've been wrong on Levitsa for ages, Koshy, so maybe I'm probably not the right person to ask. I, he, Mark's described the business beautifully, right? You've got a junk jewelry. I'll be a little more diplomatic. Call it costume jewelry. In any case, you've got to ask yourself: How is it possible that when retail is such a tough business to do, when these guys have got no pricing power, no brand power, that, are, that the, the, the epitome of the discretionary, kind of almost incidental purchase, you walk past as Mark said and think, "Do you might something?" I, I've never done that personally. I've got my ears pierced. Certainly, I've got the hair for a hat. So, you know, when you think about the, the way that kind of business should operate, this is a sort of business that should have absolutely zero competitive advantage, no barriers to entry, all that stuff. And yet, they've done fantastically well thus far. Well, I've been watching and saying exactly the same thing for the last couple of years, right? And we saw the share price double over <laughs> the last four months. So, it, it, you know, maybe, maybe go show what I know. I think, look, the risk, of course, to, to Mark's point, if, if they continue to grow, then they're a, a great buy now. The question really yeah. is how long can they grow for and at what point do... Shareholders or, or sorry, corporate customers simply say, I'll go somewhere else. Whatever attracts people to Visa goes away. Now, maybe it never does. Maybe there is something defensive just in the fact it's low cost, or the fact they're already there or something else. But now, when you see so many retail businesses go broke, these you couldn't design a lower quality retail business. And I don't mean any disrespect to La Visa, Given the price point, given the average sale value, given the cost of rent, the fact they're in expensive shopping centers, um, no brand you know, value to speak of if you're designing a business, particularly a particular retail business, this is the one you put at the end of the, don't do it like this, do it, Do the opposite. And yet, it's done incredibly, incredibly well over the long term. So that's probably where I, as an investor, you know, I can't buy it because I don't I don't see the defensiveness of that business. I think when, if and when times get tough, uh, I don't see how it protects itself. I don't see how it doesn't suffer meaningfully if that happens. And one of those things, any number multiply by zero is still zero. Uh, and so on that basis, I'm going to give it a miss just because I don't think if you can't justify the why, I don't think you have any business owning the stock. So I, I'm giving a, a clear berth. Well and truly, though, saying I've been wrong thus far. So maybe it continues from here. But um, just to that point, I'm going to give it a minute. So I just don't see how it's business is defensible long term. And so no matter how high it yeah. goes in the meantime, the real risk is it's worth many few less at some point in the future. OK. All
1: right. Is, is there in that retail space a better preference
2: for you? I, yeah, look, I, I go Premier Investments personally. I think in terms of, you know, right. you asked the question about, I asked the question rhetorically about, you know, how is it defensive? The likes of Just Jean, Smiggle, Peter Alexander. Yeah. Um, Premier have done a really good job of building these brands. They own the, their own brands. That's super important. You're not relying on Woolworths or a Big W or a Coles or a Kmart. Um, you, yeah. You've got lots of pricing power. I think it's all Smiggle for the prices they're for. That tells you something about the pricing power. Same with Peter Alexander Pajamas. Um, you know yeah. those are those are high quality branded businesses. Justin's not quite so good though the numbers have been pretty good recently in terms of sales. Uh, and certainly Solly's having a fight with landlords at the moment, that's uncertain. Yeah. But with a you know, high quality business with a long track record and a pretty defensive business model, um, I think it's a much better play personally right. than visa. okay.
1: all right and and very similar in terms of great retail brains behind Premier as uh, just as La has Brett Blundy. Premier has Solomon Lue and Mark McGinnis, who... Oh, yeah, Mark, he was... Mark X David Jones. And back Sol- in the David
3: Jones good days. Yeah,
1: yeah, in the good days. And yeah. Solomon Lue, of course, has been a uh, a serial retail entrepreneur for years, or decades. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> has. He has. That's right. All right. Okay. Uh, our ninth stock, uh, Mark, comes from Steve. Now, this is Brickworks. Yes, it's in bricks and quarries, but is also a bit of an investment company as well. It has a stake in in uh, WH Sol Pattinson um, and has a deal with Goodman Group to redevelop uh, their quarries, their old brickworks, which you might think, how can you turn a a quarry into a a decent residential complex? But just think about it, you dig it out and everyone's teared down with a
3: view. (laughs) That's right. Yeah what do you think Well about I think I, I mean all these businesses anyone who's in quarries or uh, brick making what they typically do is they they buy uh, a, it's very difficult to get a quarry license yep. you know so yeah. you, you get one it's usually a long way away from the uh, metro area and as, as population expands you know eventually you it catches up with where you are. and then <laughs> ideally that works out at the time you've exhausted the resource and then you make a big killing on the uh, development of the land yep. that's what they do yep. that model is standard yeah so that's yep. really what they're talking about in right. the investment side so it's lumpy because that doesn't yeah. happen every day. There's ABC, which is the um, the one in uh, based in out of Adelaide. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're the same. Adelaide, the, the old Adelaide, Adelaide, Brighton, Brighton. Adelaide Brighton. Yeah, Adelaide yep. Brighton. Yeah, the same thing. Um, well, th- this business has actually done quite well. Um, their last earnings uh, for, uh, the report they came out actually had a drop. Before that, they were growing at eighty percent a year for the last six years. Right. Which wow. is actually very good growth for a brick there. company. Yeah. yeah. It's not. We're not, talking, we're not talking IT. Their sales have only been growing at about six percent, which means they've been extracting more profit you know from the from the business which is good yep, yep. um return on equity is 10 uh, just over 10 so that's okay doesn't have a lot of debt uh, and i imagine the debt's probably secured on real estate anyway um we you know it's, it's it 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 actually looks quite good half of it is owned by solpats yep so the other way to buy brickworks is to buy solpats yeah which is uh, robert milner and, and yep. so on three generations yep. of milners you know that's they, another one Back they, to, they have a big cross investment yeah to, to, they right. to protect each other <laughs> that's right which they bought in a long time ago yeah uh, and it was to protect from Raiders at yeah. the time and so on and people have said that they should un. or oh, pundits have said they should unwind it now but the they, uh, Robert Milner we've talked to about it and he said the tax implications would be shocker because you you you'd have to you'd have to pay tax on the profits on both sides right so it makes no sense right okay. so they're going to stay like it's that I'd say forever. Yep. Yep, yeah, right. uh, no, it, it looks it looks fine. Um, it's never really come up on our radar. Uh, it's currently a bit high on its peer. It's on a thirteen peer which its range is about ten to eighteen. Yep. So it's at the high end at the moment. Uh, I'd say if you wanted to buy it, I'd be I'd be trying to buy it uh, at about um, uh, twelve forty or something. Right. You know, it's okay. currently fifteen dollars. So right. Yeah, but it's it's a good business. Yep. Okay, but uh, a bit highly priced at the moment. Um, Scott,
1: what do you think of Brickworks?
2: It's a really tough business to, to analyse, Koshi, particularly for the reasons that you've already talked about. The cross holding is really difficult to unpick. And then within that, you've even got to work out whether the SolPats part of the business is worth what it's currently worth in the side of the cross shareholding uh, based on its own holdings. So SolPats owns shares in New Hope Coal, TPG Telecom, Priceline, or um, uh, yeah, that Priceline Pharmacy business. Uh, you know, So it's a really complex business to unpick. The, the Milner family, as Mark's already mentioned, wonderful stewards of capital over a very, very long time. Most of the family money is tied up in the company, so it, more, more of the Salt Pats side, but again, because of that cross shareholding, they're pretty much aligned. Lindsay Partridge, CEO of Brickworks, got a really good long-term track record of generating value for the company. Uh, I really think Brickworks, it, so here's the thing, if you like the Salt Pats Brickworks deal, you've got to decide which one to buy. Now, I own Salt Pats. We've recommended both Brickworks and Salt Pats, so to put all that on the, on the table, um, I think the Brickworks idea is a good one. If you believe that construction activity here and in the U.S. picks up post-pandemic, then you kind of get the upside of Brickworks plus the core, solid underpinnings of salt Pat's. It's a pretty nice one-two punch. I think when you've got the, some of the best minds in the business, both operationally and financially, and some people that are deeply, deeply invested, again, both literally and metaphorically in the success of Brickworks, um, I, I think it's a really good business to buy, great bottom-draw style. The, the building materials business will be will be absolutely volatile. And as Mark mentioned, that strategy of buying a buying a cheap quarry miles away and then selling it for multi level residential twenty years later when people want to live there is just a really, really great strategy. So we're getting paid to wait. Um, so you know I think look it's it's a it's a very, very good, very high quality, very well run business. In a tough sector the brick the, the brick works, literally the, the tiles and bricks that it makes. Um, right now if construction does falter, it could be for a volatile time. I'd be buying it now, and as Mark said, if it got cheaper. I'd be buying even more then. Okay, all right, and uh, just finally, Scott, stick with you on
1: our on our final stock uh, suggested by Shelly Rio Tinto, the the big diverse resource conglomerate.
2: Yeah, Rio, one of the really big successful, you know, low cost iron ore producers. And that they have done a spectacular job with BHP, BHP, and Vale of just continue to drive costs down and frankly gobble up market share. You would never want to bet against Rio over the long term. What you gotta be careful of though is the iron ore price. I checked it before we came on, 100 bucks a tonne. Uh, most of these big guys are getting out of the ground at you know, 12, 15, 18, $22 a tonne, being where and how much all that kind of stuff. That's a big, big margin right now on the plus side, that's great because you make a lot of money. On the downside, everybody knows that and there is so much room for another commodity player to come in and take away your margin You want to be really careful. A commodities player like Rio is one you want to buy when the commodity price itself is really low, and ideally when the share price is bombed out, because these things are cyclical. We've seen iron ore at 120 bucks a ton and at 40 bucks a ton. Now, when it's at 100, again, I'm not a technical trader, but if you look at that range and say, well, much closer to the top than the bottom, do I really want to bet that it stays there or goes higher Mm -hmm. relative to history? I think that's an aggressive bet to make. So I would be happy to own Rio Tito, I don't own it, I've never bought it, but I'd be happy to own it if I got to buy it when the iron ore price is 40, 45, 50 bucks a ton. Yeah. When you're paying 100 and the share price is already up, I don't know, I feel like the tide's most of the way in on this one. I think the risk is much bigger than the potential return here. So I'd be giving it a miss until such time as you get the chance to take advantage of lower commodity prices and ideally lower share prices. And you can see from that chart, that time will come, you've just got to be a little bit patient. So one for the proverbial yeah. watch list, shopping list, Uh, But only buy it when you get a really favourable price on both the shares and the commodity itself.
3: Okay. Uh, Mark? No, I I agree with all that. Um, Rio is obviously a price taker and they've been very lucky. Uh, Vale, uh, which is the biggest producer of high quality. Iron in the world has been out of action with all their dams, and they still effectively are out of action. Yeah. Now, China—we know China's not happy with us, yeah. so they've got no choice at the moment. They've got to buy our iron. Yeah. Know, so, so, if they had a choice, you question, therefore, what would they do? Now, Vale will come back on stream. Yeah. yeah so, uh, and they—they they were bigger than Rio. Right. You know, so, as, as far as production capacity, yeah. the other issue with China, of course, is. Yeah, you know, what is going to happen with the uh, growth? Is there, is iron ore consumption going to grow, flatten, or start declining? Yeah, don't uh, know. No. Uh, the other big issue is that uh, China is also developing their own mines uh, in Africa, and some really big ones, and higher, wow. higher grade than Rio. One of them is, ah. uh, but they have to build ports and rail infrastructure, which they I'm sure there's tens of thousands of Chinese <laughs> down there digging away, building them. Yeah, and they're not going to be finished for another, you know, two or three years or whatever. There's a point down the road where you say, well, therefore, what's that going to do to Rio's business or to what they are ore prices? Yep. Yeah. You know, so yep. It, and they're negative. So at the moment, Rio's had fantastic tailwinds. You know, like record iron ore prices, largely a lot of it luck. Yep. Yeah, you know, with Vale being taken out of the equation. Um, vale so is, is massive too, yeah, isn't yeah, it?
1: Someone's yeah. saying uh, they produce a third or something of the world's iron hmm. ore out of yep. that one mine? Yeah, I think BHP
3: and Rio together are bigger than Vale Right, yeah, oh, okay. But, but that's, that just puts it in competitive yep. Uh, yep. Uh, context. Uh, so there's the China risk, there's the iron ore uh, price risk, which is high yep. at the moment. That's all in there yep. at right. the moment. So I agree with Scott, if you were going to, if you were going to buy it and I wouldn't, because Rio and BHP Long-term have been terrible capital allocators. Right. So return to shareholders long-term has been terrible on both companies. Yep. Uh, there's periods where you can make money out of it yep. if you buy it low, and you know then they have a they have a good run, and you you, you right. can enjoy it. Yep. I think it's a bit. I, I think it'd have to be quite a lot lower than where it is now, and I wouldn't do it anyway because right. they'd
1: yep. be trading. Yeah, yep. but they're sort they sorts of companies that almost they're they're uh, real profit makers. The profit is used for the next. Project isn't it the project they're developing and trying to get up? Yeah, on they're a the bit stroke, better. They're right bit better than
3: they used to be. They used to take all the profit and then blow it on bad, uh, bad acquisitions. Right. Okay. I don't think they're doing that anymore. I hope not. But right. that's you know yeah. that's that was the problem. Yeah. You know there was all these. They they tend to buy at the top of the market. I mean, Mineral Resources, which is one of our uh, favorite companies, uh, Chris Ellison, the CEO, said, said one day when we were talking to him, he said he was talking about the lithium mines. And he said, oh, he thought it'd be about six or seven years to uh, tears, from boom, boom times to tears in lithium. Right, right. But he said, we'll, be sold, we'll sell out before then. Right, and okay. he said, when, when Rio or BHP comes knocking at the door, he said BHP actually, when BHP comes knocking at the door, he said, uh, we'll sell it to them. That's because the they the are market. geniuses at picking the top of the market. <laughs> and then laughed. He said, of course, we would keep the crushing and the mining contracts. So we would charge all the service fees for it. But they can own it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? Okay. All right. So uh, a no for Rio. And um, that's for you, Shelley. Thank you for suggesting Rio. Hopefully that gives you uh, some really good guidance on that. So just to recap our final five stocks. uh, Senex a no. Simic a no. LaVisa a yes from Mark. Um, a no from Scott, he prefers Premier Investments. Uh, brickworks. a no from Mark, a yes from Scott. And a no from both of them on Rio. And if you want to suggest 10 stocks in the next uh, week or so that we want to uh, get through on uh, on your suggestion, you can send them in via email the call at osbiz.com.au or through Twitter at ozbiztv. <laughs>